I just turned 60 years old this past week and I still struggle with it. So I don't think it's anything that we ever completely get rid of, right? But we can learn along the way about how to break free. So we have put together a few slides. Um, hopefully you can find those helpful. I, you know, we only have about 40 minutes and then we'll have some Q&A. Um, but uh, like you heard earlier in the chat, you know, we just had our third grandchild. So we're very excited about that. Um, but, you know, there are many uh, um, examples of unhealthy thinking. And I think some of you just sat through a class. Uh, so John, John's going to read these out loud, but I, you, I hope you don't have. Um, but I'll let, but I'll get John to read this passage. It's a great passage, and it talks about unhealthy thinking. All right, in Romans seven verse fourteen, we read, "We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate." I do. If I do what I do not want to do, I eager, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it's no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Okay? So we can all relate to that, can't we? Yeah. And from time to time, we have, you know, thoughts uh like these are just examples but we have thoughts like you just can't trust anyone or it's always my fault or no one would truly love me if they really knew the real me or i can't do it by myself how about i won't do tasks even difficult and necessary ones if i don't feel like it i have to admit sometimes I have that one. <clears throat> um, seems like I don't fit in anywhere. And I'll be alone because everyone will leave me eventually. Now, these are just examples. But I believe that when Paul was talking about back in, in Romans 7, about how the things we want to do, we don't do, and the things we don't want to do, we do. It's the same way when it comes to our thoughts. We don't want to have negative thoughts but they just come in, that voice is there. And it's no wonder that Paul also wrote about how we should try to, as much as possible, you know, take captive our thoughts and to think about things that are true and noble and right and etc. We all know these passages, but practicing them is not always so easy. So that John today is gonna to talk about what he learned when he was studying schema therapy uh, with Jeffrey Young. Um, Jeffrey Young is the founder of schema therapy. And this is uh, the man in the black shirt, George. He's another like uh, very well-known, um, you know, legend in the schema therapy world. And John was able, when he did his PhD, 
to be the first schema therapist who had ever proven that there were positive schemas and he identified them. So because of that, um, I know John will never tell you this, so I'm boasting on his behalf. He will be very embarrassed. But, you know, John then became kind of a, a rock star in the schema therapy world and gets to hang out with all these guys. Um, but John has taught classes with these founders of schema therapy because he knows how to talk now about the positive schemas. So in, in when we made up the Good Enough Parenting program, this is what Jeffrey Young said about it. In a world of too much information, Good Enough Parenting uses movies to teach parents how to meet core emotional needs and at the same time, how to avoid passing down their own dysfunctional behaviors. Schema therapy has been successful with adults, but I have always wanted to see someone do something on preventing schemas in children, and here it is. Now, the reason I put this quote into this presentation is because CBT and later schema therapy are, the, are therapies that people use for adults on how to you know, change your negative thoughts. And John's gonna be talking about that in just a minute. And good enough parenting, the reason we came up with that was we were saying, wouldn't it be better if we could help prevent the formation of negative thoughts in kids? So that's how that relates. But just so you know, schema therapy does try to help people change and break free from their negative thinking and John has become a supervisor and trains other schema therapists. So he's going to be sharing now about how to break free from negative thinking. Okay. So did you know that the word schema is in the Bible? Well, there you go. All right. The word schema is as old as hills. Seriously. Okay. So I'm going to show you some passage that actually brings this out in a very clear way. Schema is a Greek word, and it means a form, a pattern, okay? Uh, a way, the, the way in which it, it, it gets molded. And uh, there are 14 positive schemas that I've been able to identify for my research. Um, and there are also 18 negative schemas from the work of Jeffrey Young. And this is monumental because schema therapists all over the world are helping people identify their negative schemas. And then hopefully from here on even, their positive schemas. Now, the negative schemas is what causes harm. Okay, in other words, this is what causes damage in our relation with people, whether it's our spouse, our colleagues, or our kids. The positive schemas are helpful because they help you be healthier. So the goal is this. The goal is for your positive thinking or your positive schemas to be stronger than the negative. And if it is, you will be healthier. So one way to describe people who are healthy or unhealthy is to see that they are more driven by negative schemas. In other words, the messages from the negative schemas are a lot, lot stronger than the positive ones. So in therapy, what we do is we try and weaken the negative ones. 
and strengthen the positive ones. Now, guess what? We have instruments to measure these. That's the good news. If you want it, all you have to do is write to me, email me, and I'll send you a, a uh, psychological instrument to measure here, the positive schema. So you can see how, how strong your spiritual or healthy side is. And then you can also find out which negative schemas you have. And so what this will do is it'll give you an insight, just an insight into the negative things that you've picked up over the years as a result of your temperament and primarily from your upbringing. Let me say this, upbringing, not church. Because a lot of people today blame the church for their lifelong negative thoughts. And I find that, okay, that's, that's not quite the case for most people. It's your upbringing and your temperament. Now, some things in the church may have reminded you of that, and it may have reinforced your uh, negative schemes, okay? And that is true. That's happened to me. That's happened to you. But you have to realize at the end of the day, a lot of your negative thinking are a result of your own temperament and your own childhood. Uh, in fact, Jeffrey Young believes that schemas are formed by the age of 10. Whoa, 10. Now, he can't prove that. And my own personal view is that I think, I don't think it's as young as 10. I think I would say adolescence as well. But the point is, before you become a, an adult, right, your thinking about how you view yourself and others are pretty much wired, pretty much formed. So you have to right now learn to weaken and change it. And the good news is, yes, you can change. So I want to show you right now how schema is used. And there are two places in particular, Romans 12, 2 and 1 Peter 1, 14. Write these scriptures down, okay? And I'm not uh, misinterpreting these scriptures. So look at what it says. And I went through, I'm not a Greek scholar, or I never claimed to be. But I ran this by the scholars in our churches, uh, Steve Kennard, and um, he looked at it and in fact came up with his own translation as we, as we communicated. All right, so in Romans 12, verse 2, it says, do not copy the, the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That is the NLT. Or do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay, that's what it says. Now, the thing we have to remember is this. What it says, when it says do not be conformed, the Greek word there is do not be schematized. Be morphed by renewing your mind. So this is how Dr. Steve Kinnard translated Romans 12, 2. And I told him, I said, look, the word schema is there. Would you not agree with me? So how would we translate it, translate the scripture 
but retain the word schema in there. And this is what he came up with. Do not be schematized to this world. So in other words, who wrote that? Paul the apostle. Paul, our apostle, used the word schema. Yay. So what is he saying? He's saying, don't pick up the schemas of the world. Transform it. Change it. Okay? So people tend to think the word schema is just a new invention. It's actually not. And uh, in 1 Peter 1, same thing. Okay? In verse 14, especially, it says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. Guess what? The word be conformed, there you go here, the Greek version is schematized. As obedient children, do not be schematized in your former lusts and desires which were in ignorance. So there you go. Not only did the apostle Paul use the word schema, the apostle Peter use the word schema. So my question to you is, if Paul and Peter can use the word schema, can I? Am I unbiblical if I use the word schema? Is this just a psychological invention? And I'm using it in the same context. Unhealthy thinking. All right? Paul is saying, get rid of it. Get rid. Don't let the world schematize. Peter says, do not be conformed to the way of the thinking of the world that is driven by your lusts and your desires. So if we're using schema in the same way, there is nothing unbiblical about it. But here is how science has done us a great favor. The work of Jeffrey Young have simply identified the different types of thinking that are unhealthy. That's all. And he was able to show that universally, a lot of our dysfunction falls into one of those 18 types of thinking. 18 types of negative thinking. Peter and Paul, uh, they are telling us, don't get conformed to this kind of thinking. Today's research just gives us an insight into the type of thinking. Why can't I tap into that? What is wrong with that? It's just like back in the days of the apostles, we had illnesses. But today, we know what type of illnesses they are. And we know how to treat it. And just because we can identify those illnesses and just because we know how to treat it, that doesn't make it unbiblical to go and get treatment from a doctor. And if that applies to physical illness, why can't it apply to the illness of the mind? If as Christians, we can rely on recent, you know, most cutting edge research on, on uh, you know, to help us get better physically. Well, guess what? Cutting edge research are also revealing 
the kind of stuff that goes on in our minds. That's all schema is. Schema therapy is simply bringing out the types of negative thinking. Paul and Peter says, they exist. They exist. So if you want to know what you have, get tested. Now, I'm not saying you have to. I'm saying if you want to deepen insights into yourself, feel free. Feel free. But you may also be at a point where you're like, John, I already know what my negative thinking are, and I'm just going to work on it. All well and good. Good job. Gaining self-awareness. A clap to you. But what about people who are not aware? Do you know how many of those there are? Whoa. David, in the book of Psalms 19, you know what he says? Lord, let me look into your perfect law and please reveal my hidden faults. Hidden faults. He didn't say faults. David did not say, God, reveal my faults. What did he say? Reveal my hidden faults. There's stuff that are hidden that are usually not, that doesn't come into our awareness. And we need to take time to think through it. And the more awareness you have about yourself, the more you'll be able to tackle it and weaken it. All right, can somebody just please mute their mic? Thank you very much. All right. So we need to appreciate the advances in healthcare, okay, in the, 20th, in the 21st century. We're fortunate in the 21st century to be able to take advantage of advances in modern medicine. There are cures for cancer this decade that didn't exist 20 years ago, let alone 2,000 years ago. Treatment for diabetes, heart disease, and other life-threatening illness have extended life expectancies around the developed world. Similarly, we're blessed that professionals in the field of mental health have used their God-given talents to identify specific schemas that are common to all mankind, which are detrimental to emotional and mental health. Thus, learning about them, while not a matter of salvation, will certainly help to save us and move forward spiritually and emotionally. So to put it, to state it differently, when we repent and we got baptized, we were saved, but were not healed necessarily. Okay, let me say it again. Being saved is not the same thing as being healed. Some of us, through our repentance, got healed. But some of us, because of our exposure to what I call, what experts call toxic stress. We did not get healed when we got baptized. Saved, yes. And because we did not get healed, our thinking, okay, keeps coming up. The negative thinking keeps coming in, coming up. And guess what those negative thinking do? They, they drive our behavior. So we still struggle in our marriages. We struggle in our parenting because those unhealthy thinking schemas are there. Now, 
Notice Paul wrote in the book of Romans chapter 12 to Christians. He didn't write it to non-Christians. First Peter was actually written to mature Christians. These are people who've been saved for a while. But what did the apostle say? Keep those schemas away. They know that Christians were saved, but they're not necessarily healed. And we're in the same boat, some of us to a greater extent than others. But the sad thing is a lot of Christians don't pay any attention to changing their thoughts and thinking. And so their dysfunctional behavior gets you know, replicated again and again and again. And then the struggle gets repeated. They don't seem to make progress. And I hope if you're at that point, I hope in 2022, you'll make a decision. You know what? I've had enough. I want to change these unhealthy things. Now, this class will just point you in a direction and tell you, if you want to identify some of it, take the test. That's all. Take the test. And once you've identified it, okay, then there are other ways you can go about changing it. All right, so let's move on here. Okay, and uh, now let me show you the, uh, the, the list of uh, some of these unhealthy thinking. All right, so let's start with uh, the top here on the right side. There are altogether 18 negative schemas. Now, who identified this? Dr. Jeffrey Young, and it was replicated all over the world. I Let me tell you this. I don't accept things at face value. That's just not me. Maybe it's by my mistrust abuse schema. I don't know. But I like to test things. So when Jeffrey Young came up with this list, I said, well, okay. My challenge to him was, well, a lot of your samples were from America. How do we know these schemas exist in Asia? So <laughs> I administered his test to a sample, hundreds of people in Singapore, in the church and out of the church. And I learned to, you know, how to, how to do it statistically, how to identify it. Uh, my engineering background helped. And guess what I found? All those schemas exist in Asia. And guess what, I, what else I found? They exist among Christians. Oops. And so we're able to help. And so many hundreds of people have said, thank you for bringing more awareness into my head because it has helped me. So when you go through this material, you I want to tell you this in a good way. You're actually going through therapy. But it doesn't feel like you're seeing a therapy. Isn't that wonderful? Right? You're going through therapy, but you're, you don't feel like you're seeing a therapy. <laughs> That's a good thing. A lot of people don't like to say, well, uh, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm going for therapy. Right? Because of the stigma associated with, uh, with therapy. But when you go through this material, take the test and have good chats with people, read and you read, you will absolutely feel that you're going through therapy. 
and your own understanding will grow, your own insights will grow, and that will do you a lot of good. So let me start off with what some of these schemas mean. Now, I can only do it briefly because of lack of time. Defectiveness. What is defectiveness? Defectiveness is this, a sense that you are flawed. Something's wrong with you. And if other people really know your issues, they won't like you. Do you know what I'm saying? And that you don't have a very high opinion of yourself. And when people pass compliments to you, you, you tend to negate it. Do you know what I'm saying? Ow, minimize it. Now, how many can, can relate to that? I can. Well, there you go. That's just effectiveness. Do you know of hell, uh, pretty women who don't think they're pretty? Do you know of intelligent men who don't think they're intelligent? Now, how about this? Do you know of men who are not handsome but think they're handsome? <laughs> We've got problems on both ends, don't we? It's distorted. Where did they, how did they pick up this distortion? It's the temperament and it's their childhood. Those are the number two and number one factors. All right, let's go to the next one, mistrust abuse. This is the sense that you can't trust people easily. Are there people like that in the church? Yes, you show them, you know, for example, the church finances, no matter what you present, they're like, no, there's some kind of a scam going around. Do you see what I'm saying? You can't please them. They don't trust. And when you say, can I, be, can I get into your life? They're like, why? Who told you? What do you want, Mike? What's your agenda? Do you see that? They're driven by mistrust abuse. Mistrust abuse is this. Someone always has an agenda. How do you develop mistrust abuse? You grow up witnessing a lot of abuse. And it's the only schema where if you just witness it, you will develop it. It doesn't necessarily have to happen to you. So if you grew up watching your dad abuse your mother, you may develop that. Now you may say, well, how come I had this and my brother who grew up with me under the same set of parents did it? What's wrong? Well, that's because you have a different temperament. So the first cause of schema development we know is exposure to childhood. Second is temperament. Some people have the temperament where they can block it. Some do. All right? So some people under an abusive environment, they don't develop distrust abuse. They just have that temperament that blocks it. But guess what, guys? Most people don't. So that's a number, number two. How many of you struggle with, with that? You know, where you just can't trust easily. You don't trust your spouse easily. You know, you always think they're, they've got, they're doing something. And you keep accusing, accusing, and it causes a lot of marital conflict. Do you have that? All right, let's go to the next one. Emotional deprivation. This is huge, especially in the UK, where people tend to be emotionally inhibited. True, not true? <laughs> I know the English people might. I've lived here for 10 years. 
I went to a boarding school of all places. Do you know when I went to boarding school, they would not even allow me to laugh out loud. I, I laugh out loud. I go <laughs> like that. And when I would laugh like that, they'll be, they give me the stare, you know? <laughs> oh, disgusting. And so I had to learn to be inhibited in a boarding school. Don't laugh too loud. Don't talk too loud. And I just felt very stifled growing up there. But a lot of people, that's just the way they are. Do you know there are people that don't like noise when they're with kids? And you know, kids always make noise. Isn't that a good thing when they play and they laugh and they have fun? Some parents, they just can't hack that. They're like, please, children are to be seen, not heard, if you don't mind. Where did they develop that? Most likely, that's how they were raised. So the dysfunction gets passed on. Karen and I have a saying that we use. Dysfunction is the gift that keeps on giving. So you pass down the schemas. Emotional inhibition, deprivation is huge. Some spouses, they feel they're never loved by the other. And the other spouse may buy them presents, may tell them, I love you, or, you know, like 20 times a day. Remember the anniversary, three weeks ahead of time, plan holidays. Do you know what I'm saying? Do everything. And the other spouse is like, but you don't love me. I'm not convinced you do. And the other spouse gets very, very frustrated. Like, I've done everything I could. What's the problem? And sometimes they then take it upon themselves that they, there's the, that they are the problem. When actually it's the other spouse that's driven by emotional deprivation. How about social isolation? You know what social isolation is? I don't fit in. How many people feel that way in the church? Do you know what I'm saying? What if in the kids' kingdom, you have, uh, say, tw of 20 kids, you have five, uh, let's say, seven black kids, right? Another uh, eight or nine white kids, and you have one or two Asian kids. How would the Asian kids feel? Do you know what I'm saying? They don't fit in. Now, most kids, if the environment is nurturing, it's not a big issue. But sometimes it's not. So they grow up always feeling I don't fit in. I'm always the shortest or the most, the one that looks the most different. Some people who are too intelligent also feel they don't fit in. They're like, there's something wrong with me. I'm just too smart. <laughs> I've, I've spoken to a lot of smart people. They're like, why is it that I'm just so smart? I, I'm just not like the others. They don't feel like they fit in. Obviously, people who are a little slow, they also don't feel like they fit in. So sometimes when we come to church, we don't fit in. That's why some Christians don't like it when they're pushed and moved from one group to another group all the time. You see, when I was an evangelist, right, there are times I have to reshuffle everybody. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I'll reshuffle my small groups like a deck of cards. <laughs> All right, everybody, we got to move around. We're going to split into regions. Bye. 
All those in the East go in the East, all go in the West. Do you know what I'm saying? Now, a lot of people welcome that. Oh, thank you for, for cutting my travel distance. And travel and time is a big thing. But guess what? There are some Christians, they don't mind the travel. They just don't want to move to a different group. And by moving, you hurt them. Well, dang, I only knew that now. Well, how come I didn't know that 30 years ago? Because I wasn't gay. Now I do. That's social isolation. A lot of people have that. What about negativity and emotion inhibition? I already spoke about that. How about negativity and pessimism? The glass is always what? Half empty. Do you know what I'm saying? Half empty. There's never anything positive. Shall we go for a picnic today, dear? And she looks out. No, it's going to rain. I see a dark cloud 20 kilometers away. Look, let's make the most of the sunshine. No, it's going to rain. We don't have any umbrellas that's big enough. la di da di da di da Nothing gets done. No one ever takes any you know, risk, even calculated risk. Do you like to live around someone who's negative all the time? I don't. Where'd you become, how did you become so negative? Growing up, I'm telling you, it's because one of your parents was like that. That's a big chance that, that was the case. It got passed on, why? Because dysfunction is the gift that keeps on Giving, it is free of charge. So these are the one, two, three, four, five, six, six schemas in the first domain called disconnection and rejection. The, dis, the, the category on the left is just a wider, more general category. There are six in there. Now guess what? 80% of all problems in the world whether it's marriage, parenting, interpersonal relationship, is a result of at least one schema in this domain. Wow. At least one. 80%. That's why I'm focusing on this domain primarily. The other schemas in the other domains also cause problems like entitlement. Okay, you see that here and insufficient self-control. They're also harmful. But 80% of a lot of it are in this category. And I know that as a clinician, when I see people and I like, oh, you got this, you got this, you got this. Now, what's the advantage of having a, an instrument that can identify these schemas? You save time. <laughs> it's not complicated. You save a lot of time. Let's say we don't, let's say we didn't have an instrument that could identify negative schemas. And you go to therapy, you're like, I just somehow don't feel good about my marriage because I know this is happening. You know what I'm saying? And let's say you're driven by mistrust. It would have to take a very intuitive therapist to bring it down to you having mistrust. That therapist has to be so good. Or if you have defectiveness, 
And what if you are not even aware that you have mistrust or defectiveness? Then it takes an even more experienced therapist to identify it. So guess what? By having an instrument, straight away. You fill it up. It takes 20 minutes. You send it, bang! Or like, oh, let's look into three of these schemas in this domain. Identify it. Tell you what, most of the time, they'll say, yep, that's the cause of my marriage issues. You see that? So you save time. Isn't that a good thing? Rather than spending six months with an experienced therapist to find the theme in your dysfunction, you can get it done now in a matter of minutes. So don't be negative about this. It helps us to follow Romans 12, which is to not be schematized by the world. So it's a huge thing, okay? Now let's look at the other uh, domains briefly. Impaired autonomy and performance. There you have another six uh, schemas here. Failure, vulnerability to harm illness, dependency, competence, enmeshment, abandonment, and subjugation. So which one do I need to focus on here? Let me focus on uh, to, 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 let's say subjugation. What is subjugation? When you put other people's needs always in front of you, your own needs are number two. Someone, someone, someone's opinion is always more important than you. And you are afraid to express yours because if you do, there'll be some kind of reaction, anger or abandonment. And you don't want to go through that, so you give in. You see that? Because you're with someone who may threaten, uh, who may react in an angry way, so you give in. You become subjugated. Maybe you grew up with the father, mother was very domineering, and you ought to always give in. You didn't take it to account. You didn't, you didn't care about your own needs. It was always their needs. Now, here's the problem with that. After a while, and I've seen this, and mostly it happens when people become like at the end of their 30, when they're like 40 years old or even 50 years old, they blow up. Blow up. And I use this as an illustration when I taught this. I got a, a bottle of Coke, okay, that's not open, sealed. And I shook it. <laughs> Every shake is an experience where you were subjugated. Do you know what I'm saying? After one year, two years, three years. Now, open the can, open the bottle. After shaking it up. What happens? It's all over the place. That's exactly what happens to people. Even in church, sometimes you feel like you're subjugated to your leader. You don't quite express your view as well. Now, let me, let me always 
put in a qualifier. Do so respectfully. Okay? So dialogue should not be monologues. Two ways. Two ways. Talk to each other. Say it nicely. But some people don't want to. They're so familiar with being subjugated that when they come to the church, they do the same thing. And then one day they blow up. So if you have subjugation, and we, can, we have a way to measure that by taking the questionnaire, work on it. Work on it. In marriage, this happens. Okay? It happens. One spouse eventually comes out of subjugation and they blow up. So do you have that? What about vulnerability to harm or illness? Let me say that in the present climate of the pandemic. Some of us, we feel catastrophe is around the corner. The truth is, these days it is, isn't it? <laughs> you can go to the grocery store and get a virus. It's true. It's true. But if you have the schema, it's going to be heightened. You're going to be so triggered. And you will go to the nth degree. More than what is recommended by experts. Now, is it a good idea to wash our hands and, you know, um, and, um, you know, sanitize? Okay, yes, it is. But people in the schema will do it again, 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 because they're not at peace. They feel like it's just around the corner. So during the pandemic, guess what? All the ones with the schema already, it got flatter even more. All right, enmeshment is this thing that you are so intertwined with your parents that you care more about their opinion than yours and you dare not disagree with them. okay all right let's move on right now due to the lack of time what about entitlement and grandiosity this is the schema is very dangerous as dangerous as any one of the ones in the first domain where rules don't apply to you we know of politicians that come across like that. Okay? There are some people in the church that way. Rules don't apply to them. And they cover it up by saying, I just want to be independent. So, so that's in the third domain. And in the last domain, you have unrelenting standards. Let me just focus on that one to close out. Unrelenting standards is this, I have to be the best. I can't settle for second best. I have to be the top. And if I'm not, if I didn't get the top grade, it would bug the heck out of me. I need to be there. I can't relax. I, and you work constantly. You never take, you don't have a good work-life balance. And you go on and on and you harm yourself because you're driven by unrelenting standards at your work, for your studies, and sometimes even with cleanliness around the house. Some parents are like that. Your house has to look like a museum, okay? 
because it's driven by unrelenting standards. So that causes harm. Okay, so those are examples of, of the negative schemas we went through. And then, uh, like I said, there are also positive ones, okay? But the positive one, I don't want to spend too much time on it. Uh, and I have the instrument to measure that. I developed it. And again, this is useful because it gives you a gauge on how healthy or strong the positive side. And you need it. You need this to be strong because this is a side that needs to overcome the negative. All right. Okay, that's it. Right now, I'll open up for Q&A.